Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on with Cheezo and Pistol. How are you going there, champion? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Cheese Wheel. Che- cheese Wheel? Yeah, because uh, Cheese will save your team this week. <laughs> oh, it's too early for that, mate. We haven't even got to your section of Pistol's puns yet. Oh, oh I'm glad. <laughs> that means I have some more in store for everyone. Uh, it's good to be back. Obviously, with the long uh, weekend of football, we didn't put out the Monday podcast because we would have missed out a couple games. Um Big, big win by Essendon over your mob, Collingwood, mate. So, uh, how did you feel about that? Um, So, I'm top 1K still in oh, Supercoach. Um, here we go. How, how are you going, Chiso? Uh, it, it, it was an absolute <laughs> ripping game. And it just goes to show that Collingwood cannot kick a score this year. Oh, we can't. We can barely kick the ball, let alone the score. And, uh, yeah, Trelaw put up a, actually a decent score. Of all the conditions for him to have a good disposal efficiency, you know, he's played games at Eddie had um, and he, he can't get a good disposal efficiency. Why the hell was a game on the MCG in the rain the one where he started hitting targets? Well, the rain um, actually straightened his kick. He, uh, everyone else was, was doing worse and yeah, just uh, actually had a strange effect on him and he was hitting targets so hopefully it rains every week Rather than bombing it over his uh, forwards heads, the water just kind of sagged the ball down, it fell short into their arms. Exactly, perfect um, Something I want to touch on from that game, the worst start under Buckley as a coach, one and four. What are your thoughts on that as a, uh, a Collingwood supporter? This has so far been a terrible podcast. Um, <laughs> if I have to pick upon Buckley, which I don't like to do often, um, I, w- I doubt we're going to get rid of him anytime in the immediate future, so <laughs> may as well stick by him and see what happens in the next couple of rounds. Ask me again in three weeks how I feel about Buckley. Eddie will pay out of his own pocket to keep Buckley uh, Buckley around. He loves him that much. He's like his little little boy that he gets to carry around everywhere. Um, the interesting thing for me is that he's had enough time to kind of rebuild the side and they've only continually got worse over the a half a decade. We've played we played actually really well against the Bulldogs and for the first two games, well three games, I think we played very well and then I know against Saints and Essen everything's dropped off and gone backwards, but hopefully all the midfielders fire at once. Um, Pendlebury said it was his worst game in 10 years. I think it actually was one of his worst Supercoach games in like eight years as well. So there was a lot of bad things. It might just be a once-off. Let's let's see how we perform next week against Geelong, who generally we have a good history against. So hoping that might spark something if we get done by a large margin, which is very possible. Uh, there'll be a lot of... Yeah, uncertainty for the rest of the year, I think. Obviously, I just want to talk about it because I'm an Essendon supporter and it's it's more of a revenge thing that I've been plotting uh, since that you beat me in the, the head-to-head in the Dr. Supercoach Admin League last week, Pistol. Oh, well, you can get used to losing <laughs> to me in Supercoach. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, I, I, so slightly of a, a, a down um, thing that I want to t- touch on now, um, Pistol. Jesse Hogan obviously taking some time away from the game after the passing of his, his dad after a long battle with cancer um it's so it's so easy to see how things like this could have affected jesse's game last year i mean like obviously um when this there's things going on in the background of your life it's so hard to to focus on the professional side of things and um you know all our thoughts go out to jesse and his family but i, I hope they kind of you know, he's a bit like Jack Watson in the way that everyone kind of jumps on him and expects him to be the new leader of Melbourne and he's, he's going to be the new wonder kid, the new Superman. And, like, everyone has to deal with this kind of stuff. So, you know, hopefully from now on they're, they're going to give the, the kid a little bit of slack because, you know, it's it's a terrible thing for, for anyone to go to, especially when you're in the spotlight of the AFL pistol. Yeah, it's going to be very hard on him and hopefully he gets all the time away from the game that he needs and, as you said, don't rush him back because there's not much more important at the moment for him. And, uh, Pistol, I might as well touch on it while we're on the topic. Uh, the Cancer Council uh, has reached $541.40. Um, yeah, it's for a really good cause. Like, if you can help us get above the 550 mark, that'd be fantastic. Um, we really appreciate all the donations and the Cancer Council also really appreciates it. It does go to a really good cause. It doesn't go to us. So um, if you haven't donated this year or maybe you donated last year, this would be a really great time to do it. Um, yeah, so please get around us. And um, again, thanks to Jack. Poor Jack uh, donated again because 
Zach Jones did score above 90, so there's the $10 tax. And he did have a donut, so the Donate for Donuts came into play, and another $10 came into the Cancer Council due to Higgins being laid out. Um, if you don't know what the Donate for Donuts is, if you have a donut, you pledge a certain amount, and for every donut you get, you donate a certain amount. So also get behind that if you can. That would be unbelievable. I did meet Jack for the first time actually at the footy this week, and he's an awesome guy in real life as well. So thanks, Jack. So it sounded like that you were shouting the beers at the uh, the Melbourne and Tigers game this weekend. <sighs> I was shouting a lot of things, but it wasn't beers. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll, we'll switch it up a little bit. I want to touch on something else that's been uh, um, interesting, particularly in a Supercoach side of things, the Demons' ruck situation. They've now lost Jake Spencer in addition to Max Gorn. Are the Demons the new team that we can have our Supercoach ruckman basically beat up on and pump out monster scores? I think that's everyone's first instinct. However... Last year, Bulldogs, they played without a ruck for parts of the year, and the ruckman didn't even score that well against them. I think at one stage, rucks averaged the least amount of any team against Bulldogs when they didn't have a strong ruck. So it's yet to be seen. Let's wait and see how players go against um, the Pedersen-Watts combo, and maybe they'll be the team that gets beat up. But a lot of the time, if you're playing those you know extra midfielders, they try and shark the taps of the opposition ruckman, and the shark tap is worth minus points as well. So... It's not always the best thing, even though they do get there. They get more of an opportunity for a hit-out advantage. They also get more of an opportunity for a shark hit-out. So, yeah, it's a catch-22 there. Yeah. All right, mate. We'll jump straight into the teams now. We'll run through the uh, the teams for uh, the next round of AFL action. We've got an absolute ripper. Uh, GWS versus the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Phil Davis out with a, a hamstring injury. We did think during the week that he was going to get up, but he is out for at least one week. In comes Tim Taranto uh, after his little rest. Um, so he should be fresh and ready to go against the Bulldogs. Uh, on the Bulldogs side of things, um, nothing really overly relevant there. Um, Caleb Daniel coming back in after spending a bit of time in the VFL and absolutely killing it on the weekend. Um, take us through the big in of uh, Jaeger O'Meara for the Hawks in their game in Tasmania there, Pistol. <laughs> Thank you for spoiling that for me. <laughs> for, the, for the Hawthorne St. Kilda game, there is a big in. Um, it is Jaeger O'Meara comes in for a big loss or a short loss. Cyril Rioli, he's uh, too cool and out with a hip injury. Um Kobe Stevens and Jack Sinclair come in for St. Kilda with uh, Dunstan and Long omitted. Unfortunately, Long didn't last too very long in the side. <laughs> I actually stumbled upon that one. I promise that, that wasn't planned. Um, yeah, it didn't last very, very a, a while, I'll say, in the St. Kilda side and wasn't actually that great of a super coach option in the end. Maybe keep an eye on him in the future. The price is still very low, but yeah, he's, he's one to watch. Yago Mira, that's huge news, especially those that held him um well done his name's on the ball as well so yeah we'll see how he goes hopefully he can repay the faith that those that held unlike uh those that didn't hold and traded him to swallow <coughs> me <laughs> uh a, a few people are looking at bringing in uh, blake hardwick uh named on the ground for his third game again here uh pistol um He's got a break-even of negative 49. He's been averaging 64 across his, his two games. He's a forward-eligible 135,000 um, player. Is he someone that we should be looking at? Well, I think you can have a slight look at him, but to be honest, like Clarko doesn't play juniors for very long stints um, at a time. I'm sure he'll be in and out of the Hawthorne side. Probably not what you want to hear when selecting your rookies, especially with just better options and safer options available this week. Okay. We'll jump into... Uh, Carlton and the Swans here, mate. This changes left, right, and centre. We'll start on the Sydney side. Nick Newman, he's back. Pistol, we finally got him back after an inexplicable week out where he absolutely killed it. Uh, killed it in the uh, the kneeful. Uh, I'll just read off some stats here for you, mate. This uh, I would have loved to have had this in the uh, the AFL last week. 31 touches, seven tackles, four marks. He was the the best defender on the ground. And if he can put up something like that this weekend, he's going to be absolutely fantastic for our teams. Uh, Zach Fisher, another one that we'll talk about a little bit later. He's on the bubble this week um, on the uh, the Carlton side of things. Um, omissions. Uh, Kieran Jack, 
He's out with a hip injury. Jordan Foote and Harry Marsh. Uh, Jeremy Laidler and Brandon Jack come in on this one side. On the Carlton side of things, you've got Alex Silvani, Billy Smets, who's on the bubble, Nick Graham, who's been killing it in the VFL, and Matty Cruiser is back. Out goes Harrison McCready, who's being managed, uh, another young player that uh, is ha- having a little bit of time to uh, recuperate. Uh, Andrew Phillips, Jared Pickett, Pistol is out for those uh, that were relying on his uh, high 20 scores. And Cameron Polson uh, out after his first game, which I actually thought he he played all right in there, mate. Um, bad news with Jared Pickett. Is this uh, a perfect time to get rid of him? Look, it's pretty interesting that McCready says managed and Pickett says omitted. So there might be a, a story <laughs> that they're trying to tell us that Pickett might not have the greatest chance of returning in the, the very next week. Um if we'll talk about this later, I think, in greater detail about the rookie. So we'll just uh, give it a pass and move on to the Brisbane Port game. Yeah, take us through that one, mate. All right. So I guess uh, a main out is Cedric Cox. I know a lot of people are looking at him. Bassanak is out and Liam Dawson is out for Brisbane with uh, Gardner. Tom Cutler came back after a one-week hammy and Michael Close is in. On the Port side, Boak is out with that hammy injury, as is Aiden Johnson, who's omitted after one game. He wasn't half bad as well, so that's a bit surprising, although someone had to make way for Hamish Hartlett, who is in, and Jack Homsch. It's um, interesting to see that McCluggage has still remained in the side, even after maybe questionable performances, um, but it's good that they're playing their kids. Obviously, they rate him very highly, and why wouldn't you? Um, what do you think of uh, Dan Houston still remaining in that Port Adelaide side? I think it's good. Like I, I think at this stage, they've had enough time, a few more players coming back. Um, you know, we've now got Hamish Hartler back. Um, we've got uh, Pittard back. If he was going to be removed from the side, I think it would have happened by now. So um, this is the kind of probably the only time in the year that we can actually be happy with his job security like if we had this kind of knowledge you know round two everyone should have jumped on him if we you know the benefit of hindsight there pistol um but for me you know those that have him like he's still got a low break even you might as well hold um hold on to him um but conversely um sam power pepper named on the ball this week he they just keep sending him to players pistol have they? Is it all in Ken Hinckley's head? Like he's he he looks absolutely great bursting from stoppages, and they're just trying to teach him another aspect of the game. Or what do you think's happening? I'm not too sure. I know. I guess we will talk about it a bit later. But to summarise what I'm going to say later, Pal Pepper he gets so many clearances. I think he had eight clearances last week from his 17 touches. So he's in the contest. He's around the contest. There will be games where he scores 80 plus. And there will be games where he averages, you know, five free kicks against or something silly and all those clangers add up and he ends up poor, um, scoring poorly. So he's such a volatile um, scorer that I'm not sure it's worthwhile trading him out, um, you know, anytime soon until maybe he hits a high score and then goes up all in price. I know I didn't answer your question about why Hinkley's <laughs> doing that. The answer is I don't know. Um, I think it's just to help develop him as a player, obviously, um, Hinkley doesn't care about his supercoach score as much as we do. <laughs> um, interesting to note that Jake Barrett is again on the emergencies list. Um, he didn't play in the needful on the weekend. Uh, he was a travelling emergency, so they, they didn't actually uh, get any game time into him. So I'm not sure if that hurt or uh, whether that was a, a negative uh, influence on him possibly coming in uh, for some of the changes this week. Uh, West Coast versus the Dockers, the derby here, mate. Big news, Harley Ballack in for Stephen Hill. Interesting that Stephen Hill's out for you know three to four weeks out for a month so hopefully that guarantees Harley Ballack some uh, some guaranteed games in the coming uh, like in the near future um, on the west coast side of things um, Jonathan Giles Sam Mitchell is back and also Kurt Mutimer coming in uh, Jamie Cripps Jack Nelson and Will Schofield all going out it's going to be interesting. I think we can back in Sandy for a good score this week up against John Giles. Do you think they're pistol? Oh, I'm really hoping so and expecting so. Um, let's. Sandy, he was a bit disappointing in previous weeks. I know he scored like 60 points in the last quarter last week. Hopefully he can put out like a really, really solid high, you know, 120, 130 score um, just to you know, make everyone that started him feel a bit better because he's, he's been solid, but nothing unbelievably spectacular like, uh, for example, Nank. Yeah, and uh, Fife is starting to pump out some of those numbers that we're used to seeing from him. So uh, I, I have a feeling that he's about to really start taking off. Are you suggesting um, a V or C option? 
I might be mentioning that a little bit later on, Pistol, but we'll jump into the next game. Take us through the uh, the North and Suns game where there are no Swallows playing. <laughs> well, again, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> on the North Melbourne side, Andrew Swallow has been omitted, and so has Lindsay Thomas. Um, poor performance uh, has led to that. Sean Higgins comes in with uh, Jed Anderson. For the Suns, you have David Swallow, who's rested, and Lonigan in. Wow, um, that is some big news with David Swallow being rested. Um, basically, he hurt his ankle two weeks ago. They played him forward to rest him. He could not, did not look to shake it. I think they're just giving him a one-week break to get his ankle right before playing him back in the guts, so that's my hope anyway. Sean Higgins coming in, he was a late out. Um, it was precautionary. They didn't want him to hurt it. It's a long season ahead. And... Yeah, pretty much Ed Vickers-Willis gets another gig, so that will be his second game. We'll be on the bubble in another game. Other than that, not much uh, Supercoach news, Cheezo. Uh, Braden Proust is still being rested. Do you think he's still tired? <laughs> he worked pretty hard in the first uh, four weeks, so it's very, very possible that he's just exhausted. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing for me, David Swallow being rested after he did have that, that injury... Obviously, they're hoping that, you know, he just needs a week off to recuperate himself. Are we seeing shades of Jaeger O'Meara in this situation, Pistol? Oh, please don't. <laughs> uh, it, it might be, although I'm more confident in a, a quick swallow return than a quick Jaeger return, although it was two weeks. It's already returned. Spoilers alert. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just absolute poor going by those that went Jaeger O'Meara to swallow. They'd be absolutely hating it by now. Uh, we'll jump into uh, Essendon and Melbourne. There are changes left, right and centre. You'll have to give me a little bit of time because there's obviously extended benches here, Pistol. On the Essendon side of things, Aaron Francis goes out getting rested after a single game. Um, absolute star Aaron Francis. He's going to be fantastic for Essendon. Obviously, that's an unbiased opinion. But he just doesn't have the tank for AFL football right now. That's that's the only reason he's not playing AFL. It's not a skill level thing. It's definitely a tank. Um, Matt Lewenberger getting rested. James Kelly getting rested. Uh, incoming uh, Marty Gleeson. Tom Bell Chambers as the Ruckman. Uh, ben Howlett named on ball. Um, interesting there, Pistol. I know we were talking about it before. Of all the people we could name on ball, we've got a, uh, a, a nuggety half forward that averages about 15 touches a game. James Stewart coming in uh, onto the uh, the extended bench. He's been playing quite well in the uh, the VFL. Again, I think he might be on the extended bench. Uh, Kyle Langford and Colin McKenna come in. Uh, on the uh, the Melbourne side of things, you've got Jordan Lewis after his suspension. Mitch Hannon, Cam Pedersen obviously coming in to cover in that ruck role. Oscar McDonald, Thomas Bug. Now, uh, he's coming in with Sam Wiedemann. I just want to read out Thomas Bug's, um, his, his uh, stats from the VFL on the weekend here, Pistol. Tom Bug had 32 touches, six marks, eight tackles, five goals, one from the midfield. It's just absolutely insane. Um, let's hope that translates into uh, to the AFL. Uh, Jesse Hogan, obviously out for family issues. Uh, Tim Smith and Jake Spencer make way with injuries. Um, it's going to be an interesting game here, Pistol, to see how Essendon try and uh, manipulate the ruck contest to their own advantage. Yeah, I think uh, Belcho has had really strong VFL form, so he's probably going to come in and make a statement as well. I'd like to see um, Jack Viney have a really good fantasy game. I know those that have him in draft especially are very unhappy with his his output. Um, A couple tackles wouldn't hurt. And it's also nice to see Jordan Lewis named on the halfback flank for the Ds. Yeah, so I think that's probably his best spot for the Ds. He needs to be commanding that uh, that halfback, um, pushing up into the midfield, uh, rather than taking a midfield spot off uh, the Clayton Oliver or a Jack Viney or a Nathan Jones, someone like that. Um, Michael Hibbard absolutely killed it in the first game up against his old side. Do you see him continuing to continuing his trend of being that get-out player from the back line? Oh, I hope he really does, um, just because then a lot of people will trade him in and I'm not certain he's going to be a top 10 defender. So one less risk uh, for me to take and others happy to take the punt on. Um, it's hard to see him being the go-to player when you've got Vince and Jordan Lewis um, in the back line at the moment as well. Obviously, Hibbert is meant to be the, the, the guy to kick the ball at the back line, but there's more options. So who knows what will happen. It might be like a Zach Williams, Heath Shaw type situation where you know they'll go through Zach Williams one game and then go through Heath Shaw the other, causing... Uh, them to be a bit inconsistent this year so it's a wait and see for me but 
I'm hoping for this week he pumps out the big score. Yeah. Um, take us through uh, Geelong Cats and Collingwood there for me. So there is a big out on the Collingwood side. Ben Reid is managed, uh, which is unfortunate because we don't have many backmen. Um, in comes Lyndon Dunn as the replacement. Sharon Berg, Maine, and Josh Smith also come in on the uh, extended bench. For the Cats, Daniel Menzel is managed. Obviously, he's come back from quite a few injuries. Um, Buse, Manajola, Ruggles, and Reese Stanley um, named on the extended bench. Do we have to talk much about the Collingwood game or can we just move on? <laughs> um, I do just want to touch on Matt Scharenberg. Um, he played quite well in the uh, the, the VFL on the weekend. Um, 20 touches at disposal efficiency of 90%, seven marks with two contested in a 100-point flogging by Essendon's VFL affiliate. It's uh, it's good to see that, you know, after we saw his preseason and he really was uh, a stinking it up would be the right term to use here, uh, Pistol. He's coming back with some form and uh, showing he, he really does have that good ball use that he showed as a junior. Look, the problem I have uh, with Scharenberg is after that ACL injury, he's a bit slow. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be up to the AFL standard, but I'm hoping he gets a chance to at least prove himself this week. I doubt we'll beat Geelong anyway, so... The ball will be in the back line enough to give him the options if we are, choose to play him. All right, and I'll jump through the last game of the uh, the game of the round: Crows and Richmond. Um, no outs on the Richmond side of things; uh, just the extended benches uh, on the Crows. Riley Knight goes out with a hamstring. On the extended bench, you've got Josh Jenkins, Jake Kelly, Miles Baholke, and Riley O'Brien. Josh Jenkins, you'd suggest, would be the one coming in, even though it's not a like for like for Riley Knight. Um, Josh Jenkins, do you see that impacting Otten's role in the forward line at all there, Pistol? Uh, Very possibly. Um, You'd expect someone like, I think it was mentioned throughout the week, well, definitely not, it was mentioned throughout the week, Uh, Talia's um, harboring an injury. I assume Talia will be out, in which case uh, we might see Otten move into the back line and then Jenkins play forward. So my guess is Otten will play um, back, but... There is every possibility. He's been unbelievable in the forward line. So there is that still slight possibility he might play forward and hopefully score again. I'm not ready to let Otten not be the fantasy star that that we've come to love, Um, you know, averaging above nine in our back line and making so much cash. I'm not ready to let go, Chizo. I'm just going to be clinging on to him, holding that forward um, status for the next couple of weeks and hopefully pumping out a couple more tons. Well, the thing is, even if his role does change, this week he's going in with a break even of two. So basically he has to turn up and he's going to make his cash. Um, So I wouldn't be too worried in this respect. At least we get another week to see um, what Jenkins' impact will have on his role. If he had a high break even, it would be a little bit more interesting. All right, mate, that takes us into uh, everyone's favorite section, Cheezo's Tasty Trades. It ain't easy being cheesy. All right, Pistol, I want to jump into uh, the big names that we got on the trade table this week. Um, We've had a lot of inboxes. We've had a lot of comments, posts. We can't get around to them all. So we're going to take uh, basically the crux of everyone's issues this week. And I want to talk about the guys um, that everyone's thinking about getting rid of. Okay. Uh, Top of the list, we've got the mid-price Failures. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it like, call it as it is. You got Roughhead, Swallow, and O'Meara. Obviously, at different stages, some of them are named, some of them aren't. Um, at this stage, with Swallow, I think I am worried about his high break. Even I'm worried that um, you're right, you're consigning yourself to holding him for a longer period of time if you don't take this opportunity to get rid of him. He's obviously going to be out for this week. If he's out for another week, he's only coming back for one game before he has his bye, and he's got a high break even that he might not reach and end up losing you cash before you have to trade him out. So I'm not seeing much upside before his buy. So if you aren't planning on keeping him um, until deep into the later buys round 11, 12 and onwards, um, I think this is the week to get rid of him. What do you think about David Swallow there, Pistol? Yeah, look, it really depends on how your team set up and how you cover in your midfield. I know a lot of people are being forced to play a rookie like they desperately don't want to play, in which case it might be time to upgrade Swallow. However, if uh, you're like me and you can kind of afford at least to hold him um, for it's, if it's a one-week injury, you, as you said, you're committing to holding him to at least um, the buys and maybe downgrade him during the buys to a player that's already had their buy. He's going to lose money when he does come back. It's inevitable. But we're hoping that once he drops a bit, 
you know, reset his break even, get some 80s into his rolling average and it will just reset and he'll start making a lot more money. It's a bad, bad situation to be in, um, but for me, it's a hold. However, it's very situational based on your team. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's got a break even of 94. So when he comes back in, there is every opportunity that um, he will lose a little bit of cash, even though he's priced at $333,000. But as you said, he just needs that one score to reset that break even, and all of a sudden he's making a whole bunch more money. But I'm just not seeing the relevance on holding him for so many weeks and then again through his buy, you know. It could turn into a Jaeger situation where he misses this week, then they miss him next week while he gets over that ankle, then he comes back for one game, then he has a rest. I just find it in a situation where I just think I'd rather get rid of him. And I think, you know, a straight swap to a Fisher or a Balak, who are the two rookies that we should be looking at this week, I think just works really well for me. Jaeger O'Meara on the other side, for those that we're getting a lot of inboxes, even though, you know, even though his name, should I still be looking to get rid of him? And I think with a break even of 58, named on the ball, you know, I think he's going to make more cash this week and he's got the potential of putting out a really good score. We haven't seen a massive score from Jaeger just yet. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting 100 pluses or anything like that, but I still think that he's, he's about to get on the roll and things like that. So I, my personal opinion wouldn't be getting rid of Jaeger. But we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of the popular trades this week is to, um, you know, get these mid prices out, bank a whole heap of cash. And we're seeing quite a few guys go Swallow and O'Meara down to Balak and Fisher, and they're basically banking, you know, $400,000 pistol. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a very risky strategy to do that. Um, well, I guess it depends where your overall ranking is or if you're going for league. But yeah, it's very, very risky to double downgrade very early. Yeah, and uh, another one along that vein, we're seeing a, a, a lot disappear from sides. Uh, Jared Roughhead, only averaging 75, uh, which is uh, about 10 points lower than I probably expected for Roughhead. Um, particularly in wins, he's only putting up 67, which is the concerning aspect for me. Um, I think there's going to be a time coming soon, if you haven't got rid of him already, that you have to get rid of him. Um, I can see a lot of people going a, a, a Balak um, down from Roughhead this week, but but um, I think with Eddie still not playing, that those have him in the forward line, um, I would rather, rather than getting another uh, another rookie that might be in one week, out one week, and leave you with a, a double, um, uh, an, an empty bench in the forward line, I'd rather keep Jared Roughhead in the forwards at the moment, knowing that, you know, as captain of the club, at least he's turning up every week. He's not losing your cash by any means. Um, but for me, I'd probably be holding him from that stage. Uh, someone that's uh, actually been omitted this week that we mentioned in the teams, Jared Pickett here, Pistol. What are your thoughts on him? He's not making you any cash when he does play anyway, to be honest. So, um, look, it seems like a little bit of a waste of money for me to, to downgrade him to a rookie. You make, what, like 20K? In which case, you may as well hope he gets recalled sometime soon. And all he needs to put in is one performance that's like above 65, and he'll end up making you, you know, 70K, which is not great but it's not the end of the world um for me it's a solid hold at least he has that dpp so you can switch him to the forward line if you want and hopefully he gets recalled at some stage if in a couple of weeks his vfl form is terrible and he doesn't look like getting a chance at all then maybe trade him out but at the moment i'm just going to stick him at m11 yeah he's got a break even of 19 so even when he comes back in he could do a jared berry and lose cash at $164,000, average of 35 as you say we need a 65 or a 70 for him just to start generating that cash and get the the rolling break even going, but I'm not sure how long we can wait. So for me, I'd be inclined to, uh, you know, if he's the guy that you want to get uh, get out for Balak, I, I wouldn't say no to that situation. Um, a lot of people trying to get rid of Parfit. Uh, I'm not overly sure why here, Pistol. He's he's doing kind of um, exactly what we expected. Um, he's got a break even of 39. He's averaging 56. 242k, like you know, he's named on field again this week. He's going to make a little bit more cash, um, so I'd be I'd be inclined to hold him for another week. Um, I should mention very briefly on the Parfit note. Uh, the reason most are trading him this week is because his scores this year are 44, 36, 52, 51. He got that 99 in the middle, which has pushed up his average. It made him have really low break evens, and now that's coming out of his average. The 39 break-even is not even a guarantee that he'll hit it this week. I think maybe he's got 10K, 20K max left in him. So for me, it's a, a cull on Brandon um, Parfit if you want to get a quick upgrade going. Otherwise, you can always hold. Um, as an owner of Marchbank, how have you seen 
his uh, his role this year developed since the first round. We saw him as that that sweeping half back uh, half back um, this year. He's averaging seventy seven, which is probably lower than everyone expected, but still good for a rookie. Break even of thirty four. How are you seeing him as a pick in your team, Pistol? Um, to answer your question on Marchbank, I don't mind him. Averaging 77 is really not the end of the world. That's quite high. It's going to be a slow burn. Uh, we expected that when we picked him because he was at an inflated price. I'm sure he will have a game where he does go above 110. I'll, I'll, I'll stick my neck out and say that. He's just He looks good. He's going to get an intercept marks one day. He's going to clean up. And when he gets that, I'll eventually upgrade him. I'm sure he will make a quick burst in money then. But he's, he's not a problem. Averaging 77, unless you desperately need a primo in his only way um, to get that primo, which is an okay move, I, yeah, I'd yeah, i be holding him otherwise. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you on this one. And the last one that we've been commonly getting is Will Hoskin Elliott. Uh, averaging 80, 69 break-even, 326,200. What are your thoughts on Will? He's obviously playing that uncontested uh, half forward, pushing up onto the wing. We did see him spend some time in defense. Uh, particularly uh, on the wet day, it didn't help him because he's so uncontested and he's uh, sprinting away from any form of contest that we see. Is it time for Will Hoskin-Elliott to go or do you see just one more little jump in him? No, I think you can hold uh, Hoskin-Elliott. Personally, I'm not this week. Um, I'm going to upgrade him. However, if you watched him last week, you'd notice he's kind of got pushed even more forward with uh, Wells coming to the side. Wells kind of took that wing, well, on-ball wing role and Hoskin-Elliott pushed up forward. He wasn't getting any of the anywhere near it. So in the last quad, they put him um, behind the ball actually, and tried to use him as like a loose man out of defence. Which he got quite a bit of the ball in the last quarter. But I'm a bit worried with that inclusion of Wells in the team. Also, um, Dugowie will come into the team next week. I don't think that will affect uh, Hoskinelli at very uh, positively. Um, in which case, uh, it's a little bit of a gamble to cull him a tiny bit early, just because I'm not giving you a chance to see what he's going to do with um, Dugowie in the team. But I don't think he's going to get another massive boost um especially given that 120 scored it was pretty much for kicking three last quarter goals um which I can't really see happening again. I'll be lucky to get within three goals of any other team this year. Yeah, again, he's another one that everyone's commenting saying, oh, you know, what are your thoughts on getting rid of Will Hoskinelli this week? Or do you think we should hold him for another week? Again, I, I like the idea, just as you said, is basically trust your gut. Like if, if he's the one that you need to go get a, a premium um, forward from or a, a premium player, then absolutely go go nuts and get and use that money that you've made from Will Hoskinelli. He's been a, a cash grab, which is what we expected. Um, but if you do want him, you know, he's averaging 80. Like if you expect him to get a 60 to 70 this week, which is, you know, more than you can, uh, you're getting from, a, say, a Parfit or a, even a Butler on the field. Um, you know, yeah, hold him. Like, it's it's totally understandable. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not one of those, yes, you should trade him or no, no you, should, uh, you should hold him kind of situations. It's what you think is best there, Pistol, and I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, I'm going to be holding him for, for the reasons that, you know, I'm liking his score. Um, I'm not so much worried about him making or losing money this week. He's just, a, a, you know, a good uh, rookie score to have on the field. And, you know, he's your way to get a, a premium um, to get Buddy Franklin this week or whoever it is, the the the, um, the premium that you're going to get. And, you know, that, that's fine too. Um, mate, we'll, uh, we'll jump into the rookies that I want to look at in this trade section obviously uh those on the bubble at the moment you've got billy smets coming in for his third game two hundred and seventeen thousand break even of 23 i wouldn't be going anywhere near him um harley ballot coming for his third game after his little hip injury uh but pretty much basement price hundred and twenty three thousand nine hundred mid forward averaging uh 55 negative 38 break even uh but he did put up a 40 and a 70 um to make that that 70 uh, that 55 break even so um a little bit sporadic with his scoring um Zach Fisher averaging 62, a break-even of negative 57, 117K midfield only. Harley Ballack and Zach Fisher are the two that we should be looking at this uh, this weekend, don't you think, Pistol? Yeah, don't forget Blake Hardwick for those that desperately need a forward, um, although you can get Ballack as a forward anyway. I think if... Who would you pick if you had to pick one, Chizo? 
Uh, I think I would pick uh, Harley Ballack just because he's he's that little bit older, whereas Zach Fisher is a, a you know he was drafted last year. Uh, Harley Ballack has been putting up insane numbers in the waffle for the last you know almost eighteen months, so uh, the last season and a half. So I, I do have confidence that he's going to come. He's going to be putting out much better scores. I was very happy with the seventy they put up um, after his debut in the in the uh, the Derby. It could be a little interesting is if he's a little overawed by the the uh, the kind of occasion that it will be. Um, but I think he, just a personal opinion, I think that Harley Ballack is the one that I would be going for. The mid-forward swing um, is also really beneficial in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Blake Hardwick, for those that do need a forward, say you already had a, a Harley Ballack in the forward line, he would be another one I'd be looking at. Averaging 64 in the back line for the Hawks, negative 49 break-even, priced at $134,000. Um that pretty much wraps up all the uh, the uh, the rookies that I'd be looking at. Um, a, a few people saying that they should jump on uh, Aaron Black this week, Pistol. What are your thoughts on that? I think they're a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think the old adage of never jumping on a rookie before they've played their second game um, is perfectly summarized by Mitch Hannon in uh, round one. A terrible score in round two and three and then dropped. It could definitely happen to Black, although he's a great set shot. So when he gets an opportunity, he probably will score a goal. He is susceptible to not actually getting a touch (laughs) in a half of football. So no guarantee that he will um, even play very well and, and hold his spot because he desperately needs to kick goals to hold his spot. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you're in the Geelong forward line, you're not kicking goals, you're, you're out. Um, so for me, he's one to at least wait and see how he performs this week and if he's named for the third week. I should just touch on, I'm pretty sure Harley Ballack, looking at the Fremantle side, is in the best 22, um, especially with Stephen Hill out. So if you're going to make a decision based on job security, um, Ballack probably does have the best job security out of all of the rookie options this week. Totally agree. Um, all right, mate. The, the next thing on the trade section I want to uh, touch on is a little controversial. We've got people saying that, you know, now that we're up, uh, having the chance to upgrade, we've got a few downgrade options. We've got the Harley Ballacks. We've got the Zach Fishers. We've got these kind of guys to make a little bit of money. Say I want to I want to upgrade. Should I be going to grab someone like a Bontempelli who started the year on fire um, and has gone up in price, say a, a Dane Zorko, these kind of guys, or should I be looking for someone that has dropped in price and I see value there? Um, there's uh, arguments on both sides of the coin um, um, that you're, you know, you, there's a more risk jumping on underprice, but there's more value there compared to overspending for someone you're guaranteeing, uh, or as, as as close as you can to guaranteeing good points there, Pistol. What's your opinion on the matter? I personally think that, particularly this year, it's going to be hard to make money with our limited rookies. Um, the reported limited rookies that we have compared to other years, I think. Of all years, this is the year we should be trying to find value in our upgrades. Yeah, I definitely agree. If you can get a player that's fallen 100K but is starting to pump out the premium numbers, I would jump on them. Um, do you have anyone? I know you've got someone in mind. Do you want to shout out a couple of names of these value primos um, that have dropped and have a good chance of scoring particularly well in the coming weeks? Uh, well, I'll start in the midfield because that's where I'm looking first to kind of upgrade, uh, get get my point generation um, in the, the first third of the, uh, the, the season. Um, People were jumping off Trelaw and Drove, saying that he was uh, he was no good, um, that you know uh, Collingwood are terrible this year, um, and we saw quite a number of people trading him out, and particularly particularly in the uh, the uh, the final scores, uh, the pre-sale scores post that we put up for Essendon and Collingwood, the amount of people that were getting tagged by their mates for trading out Trelaw was just insane. Uh, it was also pretty hilarious. Uh, Trelaw showed us on the weekend the value that you can find um, in a fallen premium. And, you know, he averaged 100 and, uh, 111, 113 last year. He's averaging 105, which is not terrible. He's got a break-even of 114, which is, you know, it's pretty decent. He put up 140 on the weekend. Um, he's dropped $50,000. He's below 560 k This is the kind of value that I'd be looking for. Um 
In addition to that, I'd be looking at someone uh, like a Hanbury. You know, he had a, a, a small ton on the weekend, but I do see the Swans turning it around, particularly because their uh, their fixture opens up in the next five weeks. We could very well see them five and five. That's the kind of uh, uh, opening up of their fixture that we have. So Hanbury is uh, someone that has pretty much kept the same role as last year, um, as opposed to someone like uh, a Parker pistol that um, I think has changed his role slightly, don't you think? Oh, a little bit. He's, he's one of those players that he's getting in there, getting the clearances, and then not doing much else for the rest of the game. He's not averaging, you know, 25, 26 touches per game at this stage. Um, a bit like Powell Pepper, just, you know, a top teens, just getting, you know, eight clearances a game type player and not scoring particularly well. I do like that you mentioned Hanabry. Um his last three scores have been 112, 95, 112, and the five fixtures um, coming up for the him are Carlton, Brisbane, North Melbourne, St Kilda, Hawthorne, which is just unbelievable. If they're going to get their season back on track, Hanbury's going to score better. He's going to average above 110, and I back them to be five and five in the you know next five weeks. So. Yeah, just jump on Hanbury if you have a lazy 540k in your bank. Yeah. Um, someone that's uh, from the Swans that is also showing value that you're looking at this week, Lance Franklin. Talk me through your thoughts on him. Oh, well, Buddy's a very interesting case because everyone knows he's talented. Everyone knows he's probably going to be a top or should be a top six defender. He's inconsistent and he scored three 70s in a row. So his price is only at 464,000. He does have a break even of 124, but he plays Carlton as well, who historically scores quite well against, and he could very much reach um, 124 against them. So this might be the cheapest that you can get, buddy, at only 464. It's really interesting to note that in his last 12 years of playing, his dream team to super coach ratio has always been um, a super coach score higher than his dream team. However, to start this year, his dream team is 98 and his super coach is 89. So you've got a nine lower coming from a guy that's never had a lower at all. And this is nine lower. So just you'd think he's going to get back up to that 98 average range, or even if it's not that big of a jump, you're getting massive value if you're buying him for 89 and he's averaging 95. Um, for me, he's pretty much a must in Primo if you don't have him. I'll, I'll say that. I'm pretty sure you've just convinced me there. <laughs> well, there we go. I can't see bigger value from any player um, so far than Buddy Franklin. If you don't get him this week, he probably is not going to go up much in price, but you'll miss out on those points against Carlton. He will be my VC. I'm that confident in him getting his break even. Oh. But if you want to get him next week, not a bad call either. Speaking of uh, value that can be found, we've got two absolute guns in our defensive lines over the years. Heath Shaw and Cade Simpson, both under 500k. Uh, Shaw down 91k, averaging only 86 with a break even of 113. Cade Simpson, 472k, down 106k, only averaging 83 with a break even of 102. Do you see either of these guys, um, you know, kind of bouncing back and, and showing some more life um, to us this year? To that can be, uh, you know, a, a bit of value that we can pinch while they're at their bottom price. Yeah, I think Heath Shaw is definitely a very very good pick. He'll probably still be top six defender. I'd quite, uh, I'd bank on that. GWS are great. They're going to win games. They're going to use Heath Shaw. He's been a bit sore um, in the the last couple games, so his scores might be a, a bit down on that. But I expect him to come home hard. And if you don't have him, I would definitely pick him up when he gets to his bottom price because I think that's huge value. Cade Simpson, on the other hand, hasn't been scoring particularly well. I know his last start four scores have been. 57, 73, 84, 91. I don't have as much faith in Cade as bouncing back as I do Heath Shaw. However, I don't think he's a bad pick. He'll probably, again, fall around that uh, 6 to 10 best defender range. If he gets much cheaper, which it's possible with the way he's scoring, then he would be an outstanding um, value for money pick. However, for me, it's kind of a wait and see. I just want to see him um, punch out maybe back-to-back tons or back-to-back really good scores. Yeah, just need to see some life. Um, someone else that I want to see some life from, uh, Todd Goldstein. Only 510K. He's down 80K for the year, only averaging 85 with a break-even of 115. 
we need to see something from him. Like, yes, I'm talking about um, finding some value in our premiums that we want to upgrade to. But, you know, right now, those that have started with mid prices and Sanderlands and Wits and Nankervis, like, we absolutely see no reason to be upgrading our ruck stocks at this stage when, you know, our absolute proven premiums and the like of Max Gorn being injured or Todd Goldstein unable, unable to even crack a ton there, Pistol. No, it's a solid wait and see for me. With Steph Martin performing so well and Grundy also doing a good job, I'm not even convinced Goldstein will will be a top two ruckman this year it's certainly we'll see how he goes with that ankle injury he's obviously a bit sore still and also there's the constant threat of um Braden Proust he's, he's bound to come back at some stage if he doesn't come back before weight comes back then I might uh, look to Goldstein but at the moment I'm just going to wait it out and see how he performs in the next coming weeks uh all right mate uh we'll jump into uh your section we've got pistols punt you could ask yourself a question do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? What's your your something that's making you feel a little bit lucky? Some little risk that you want to take this week that is uh, uh, going to uh, be a little bit left field that we probably haven't mentioned so far on the pod. <laughs> well, actually, Chizo, thanks for reminding me. Um, in the preseason, I did mention a slight punt uh, for those that... Uh, keen listeners you might have heard me reference uh dylan roberton and say that due to carlisle's and nathan brown being back for saints he would be freed up to play that rebounding uh defender role that he played in 2015 and i expect him to be good i wasn't sure he'd be a top six backman but he has been outstanding this year for those that aren't aware of his scores he scored uh, 70 in round one which is pretty average 105 93 126 116 Averaging 102 this year, and he looks incredibly good off that halfback flank for Saints. It's very risky. I should say he's in 1% of teams. So he's a massive POD. I'm not sure you'd get a better POD at any stage of the season. Just 1% is in no teams at all. Um, he's not that expensive at the moment. He's only coming in at 489000 So still on the cheaper side of someone that's averaging 100 plus. His break-even is 44 though. So if you are going to get him in, you might need to make a move now. I don't know if he's going to keep it up. I'd suggest not. However, there's no logical reason as to why he can't uh, keep this up, except that it's a ridiculous, uh, ridiculously good average for someone that's probably only gone 90 um, as his best previous Supercoach score um, in a season. So, yeah, if, if you're willing to go for a huge POD, um, Robertson is my man. That's the whole point of the uh, point of the uh, the punt, mate. Pistols punt. You're taking a risk. You're you're jumping out on a limb and picking someone that you go. You look. I'm going to back this guy, and that he's going to be a top six defender. And uh, I'm happy that you've done that, Pistol. That's uh, uh, I, I I like you taking a risk there, mate. Um, we might as well jump into uh, some Q and A. We'll go to the uh, the Facebook page uh, where the community has put down some uh, some questions. We've got the top ten written down here that we uh, like the interests of. Um, Michael uh, Vestas says, "Will Hoskin Elliott to Jeremy Cameron?" Question mark. So, Chizo, let me ask before you answer this question and just uh, jump on what I know you're going to say. Tell me. Do you know what Jeremy Cameron has scored this year? I have absolutely no idea. But you know what? It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say he has scored 78, 108, 112, 86, 139 to start the year, an average of 104. Yeah, not good enough. (laughs) Not good enough. What are you expecting? (laughs) Well, I've got Luke Dahlhaus, 115, Nankervis, 112, McRae, 105. I would rather be banking on one of those guys if I didn't have him before jumping on someone like Jeremy Cameron, who is basically the Jared Waite of 2017, some forward, um, a forward, a key forward that is just shot out of the blocks and then everyone jumps on and he's just going to be absolutely nothing in two weeks' time. <laughs> he is 480k, so he's more expensive than Buddy Franklin. I'm not sure why you'd pick Jeremy Cameron above Buddy Franklin. I mean, his break-even is 55, so... He's still going to go up a little bit more, but it's not going to make you a huge stack of cash. And he's still in 4.3% of teams, which, although it's still a, uh, definitely a POD, it's not in that, you know, 1% to 2% range. That would be an unbelievable POD. I'd just stay away from him. I'm not sure. I think it's a trap. Yeah, same here. Uh, Troy Rodney writes in, uh, he traded uh, Tom Hickey to Jake Spencer last week, and he doesn't know what to do. Does he just 
hold Jake Spencer until he comes back or does he just trade him straight back out, Pistol? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think you've got to ditch Spencer. By the time <laughs> he comes back in seven weeks, Gorm will only be two weeks away. So I can't imagine Spencer would make you too much money in that time. It's probably best to trade um, him to uh, Loophole R3 so that you can bring Nank into the ruck line and get some extra cash while you can and then use that money and upgrade elsewhere. Yeah, or you could uh, you could even do Jake Spencer out, Nank forward if you you have him in the forward line, um, and bring in a Balak, and that could be the way that you get Balak in this week and bank some cash. How unlucky can you get? Like obviously he didn't wait uh, wait those couple of weeks on uh, Jake Spencer as uh, we would advocate to make sure that he's still got the role before the price change, but you know that's <laughs> still unlucky. Poor bugger, spending spend two trades on something like that. Uh, jump into the next question. Uh, Adrian says, uh, we've got 100, uh, 230K. Uh, wondering whether to trade out Will Hoskin Elliott, Houston or Butler? Well, that's a very good question. I think you could, with 230K, um, you could do a Will Hoskin Elliott to maybe a Hanbury via DPP, depending on how strong your midfield is. Otherwise, I would seriously look at Butler to a premium. The reason for that is Butler probably has about 40K to make, but he is at least 40K underpriced. I'm a big fan of him. I think getting Buddy this week is going to be an unbelievable move for those. I've said my reasons before, so I don't have to explain again why I think it's an unbelievable move. So that would be my suggestion. I wouldn't trade Houston, though. Uh, do you agree, disagree, Cheese? Yeah, totally agree. Will Hoskin Elliott, as I said, I'm holding just because he's got that scoring potential. Um, and he's uh, he's still got a little bit more cash to make. Houston with a low break even, I'd be holding on him as well. Butler, he just needs one poor score. And as a small forward, his scores are going to stall and he will quickly lose that little bit of cash that he's made. So I'd be getting Butler um, before he plays uh, Adelaide away this week and uh, loses all his cash generation. Uh, Logan writes in and says, do we need to get rid of Pickett, Will Hoskinellet, or SPP? Um, I think we we covered a little bit on that. I'm happy holding Will Hoskin Elliott. Uh, we've both touched on Pickett. You would uh, hold on to him. I would get rid of him. Uh, what do you think about SPP? I would probably just hold him till the buy. What do you think? Yeah, look, SPP, as we said, I think we actually did touch on it and said he's bound to pop out an 80 score and, and restart his cash generation. He's too good of a player not to. He looks unbelievable. He's getting. He said he got eight clearances last week and still managed a terrible score. There'll come a time where he doesn't give a free kick away in a match, and that just <laughs> improves his average, you know, tenfold. So it's a solid hold on SPP for me. I'm sure he will pop out a good score, and his cash generation will just, um, yeah, increase exponentially. So definitely hold SPP for those listening. Yeah, uh, Alex Chisholm, should we persist with David Swallow? And I'll say to that. Alex, the mid-price experiment has failed. Find someone to send David Swallow off to the slaughterhouse with because just just take the money, upgrade that cow or uh, get in a ballot, something like that because I think it's time for him to go. And I'll say hold Swallow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me personally, uh, he's going to be better than a rookie to have on field. He hasn't made enough money to really justify trading him out. I've got other rookies that need to be culled, so I'll do them first. Swallow's not losing you any money this week because he's not playing. Even if he loses a little bit of money, it's probably not going to be a lot. And he's got the potential to go 120. He's got the potential to go 100 in the game. So it just takes one of them to reset. Um, As I said before, he can make a lot more money very quickly. I'm going to back him to do that. Hopefully, I can downgrade him in maybe round 12 to around 11. Maybe mid-premium is my final upgrade or something around that. I know it's a long-term plan. It's a risky strategy holding a player and hoping that they get better rather than having any evidence that they will. But it's David Swallow. We know what he's capable of. And for me, I'm willing to take that risk. And uh, yeah, it's up to you if you are willing to take it as well. Alex, I think I can sum it up very simply. This answer is so much easier when you didn't just recently trade him in. (laughs) That is very (laughs) true. If I started with Swallow, I probably would have traded him out. If I had gone... Jaeger to swallow. It's harder to swallow my pride. <laughs> <laughs> Jared writes in and he says, uh, of these uh, four players, who would you be uh, looking to get in this week? Balak, Hardwick, Black or Fisher. I think we've touched on that. It's Balak and Fisher. And he also writes in, VC, Lance Franklin or Steph Martin this week, Pistol? What do you think? That's a very good question. I am going to be in camp Steph Martin. I'm going to uh, back our boy, La Hug's captains, uh, Will Hug. Huggett, if you see um, the captain's article this week, round six, 
His projection of Stefan Martin is 135 um, based on some cold hard facts and also his pure gut feeling. And his gut feeling is good enough for my gut feeling. <laughs> good, man. Uh, Daniel Jenkins, who would you bring in first? Hannah's, Toby Green, Tom Lynch, or Jeremy Cameron? Uh, well, Tommy Lynch has a buy. Um, and Cameron, we've already touched on. We probably wouldn't be bringing him in. Uh, Hannah's or Green, what do you think, Pistol? I should say uh, Tom Lynch has the buy coming up in very soon, so I'm not sure I'd trade him in. Although he could be talking about the other Tom Lynch, in which case I wouldn't get him because he's not a great option. <laughs> um, out of those options there, definitely Hannabury or Green. Hannabury, uh, we've touched on, underpriced, great draw coming up. Probably be Hannah's for me. Oh, yeah, same here. Uh, Joel Lay, what do you think of Aaron Black's job security pistol? Yeah, again, we've, we mentioned this before. He needs to kick goals to stay in that Geelong squad. I think he'll do it for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure he'll get enough to be a great cash cow, but we'll know more this week. I mean, in the NAB Cup, uh, I shouldn't say that, JLT um, series, in the first round, he dominated everyone, put him in the team. Next game, barely touched. I think he scored like 27 or something and then um, didn't play in the last one. So that... Could happen again. Could get no touches this time and then get dropped for round three. So it's a wait and see on black. And the last part to Joel Lay's question is, what do you think of the people who are trading out Pendles, Chizo? Yuck. Just, yeah, I, I think our country's education system has a lot to answer for, Pistol. Yeah, it's his worst game in the last 10 years, according to himself, and he couldn't work his way into it. And you know what? You don't just trade a primo player because they have a single bad game. Yeah, you just don't do it. And he even said on his own Snapchat... I didn't. I'm not injured. I just played poorly. Well, he didn't he used a few more expletives than that. Uh, but back in Pendles, he you got to have him in your team. Uh, Alicia, Rebecca, Alicia, you're back. Lo- uh, a long time uh, follower of the page of the podcast. She says, "Cade Simpson, yay or nay?" Pistol. I think we've already touched on that. But what's your opinion? It's a nay for now. Short term nay. Maybe long term yay. But I need to see more. Yeah, need to see some life. Uh, Josh Barnes, Ebit Pod. That is a good question. Um, let me read you some numbers of Ebert this year because I'm sure a lot of people don't know his first five games off the top of his head. 124, 119, 107, 95, 122. Five games to start the year. He's gone bang, averaging 113. His price very kindly at just over 500k. But let me read you another set of numbers okay? and tell me what you think, yep. Chizo. 112, 135, 100, 100, 80, 136, 99, 73, 106, 134, 142, 128, followed by 77, 70, 68, 84, 88, 73, 86, 78, 67, 74. That is Brad Ebert in the 2015 season. He started incredibly well, um, you know, averaging well above 115 after 11 weeks. And then he averaged about 85 after that. Ugh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Stay away from Brad Crouch. Brad Crouch. <laughs> stay away from him as well as Brad Ebert, but stay away from Ebert. <laughs> yeah, I would stay away from Ebert for that. Uh, I think we've got too many other good options that we know are going to be 110 plus to worry about. Uh, picking Brad Ebert, that might, you know, a 10% chance of matching someone we know will score well. Uh, a final question that we jump to, Finn Parker. Uh, who should I start on field out of SPP, Fisher, Balak, Butler, Hannon, and Parfit? Wow. Um, I don't think you'd want to have uh, that many starting on field there, Pistol. I'd probably say, let's just say, we'll pick three. We'll pick three of those that will start on field. We'll go for half. Um, I think you have to start SPP for his scoring power. Uh, same with Balak and... Fisher, Hannon or Parfit or Butler. I, I'm going to go Butler there. I'll definitely agree with uh, starting SPP and then Balik. I think for my last spot, I am going to go with Hannon. Um, he does play Essendon, a very weak Essendon side, Chizo. So <laughs> I think he could uh, be in the goals this week. Might score well. Although I doubt you're going to have all three on the field anyway. So probably just uh, go with SPP and Balak. Yeah. The last part of Finn's question. Uh, also in the back line of the four, which which they have on field. Otten, Marchbank, Newman and Hampton, their champion. This is a great question. I think a lot of people are facing similar sort of question. For me, my number one would actually be Newman. Yep. Um, 
I think that might be surprising to you, Chiesa, or not really? No, I, I definitely have Newman. Like, uh, uh, he's going to. I think we can be pretty happy that he's going to go seventy plus. Um, Marchbank, we can be pretty consistent, uh, pretty confident that he's going to uh, going to put up a, a decent score. But I would probably uh, pick him over Otten um, just based on his, you know, his past four weeks of scores uh, being of such good quality. Uh, I would back him in for another week. Uh, would you go uh, Newman and Otten, or would you go Newman and one of the other three? I think I would go Newman and Marchbank. I just don't trust that Otten will 100%. You know, if he gets that back roll, I think his scoring is not going to be uh, amazing. So just for safety, um, out of those options, I would be going Newman and Marchbank. However, I think most of us are faced with picking three on the field, not two, in which case I would then go Otten over Hampton just because if Otten plays forward, he's probably going to score another ton and we'll be very lucky. Fantastic. All right, mate, that pretty much uh, wraps out our, our most content-heavy podcast for the year, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on. No worries, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and also or donate to the uh, Cancer Council. Yeah, and uh, as we said last week, those that donate uh, or leave a review, review go into the running each week to be uh, reviewed live on the podcast. So uh, uh, make sure you, you get your, your teams in the running so you can have all these questions answered from your team so we can uh, not only analyse the one or two trades you're considering, but your your team as a whole and we can tell you uh, where your weaknesses are and what kind of uh, uh, upgrades, downgrades you should be doing. Um, and don't forget, we've still got the, uh, the promotion that we're running all season long, the Supercoach championship rings uh, that we're having in uh, not only our, our uh, Div 1 Dr. Supercoach uh, Community League but also our Draft League uh, that we have amongst the admins which we'll touch on in a few weeks time once we're a little bit further into it. Um, absolutely fantastic. Use the code the Doc capital T-H-E, capital D-O-C, all one word, and that'll get you a 10% discount. Uh, All right, Pistol, I'm going to check off. Uh, I'll catch you during the weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cheese Wheel, and thanks, community.